Uh, so we're looking at John uh, chapter 10 this morning. And as Dave said, over the past few weeks, uh, we've uh, been looking at various encounters that people have had with Jesus. We've looked at Nicodemus and uh, the man who was born blind and the woman at the well and uh, the people who met Jesus on a mountainside and were fed incredibly miraculously. It was all about people. And then we've reached John chapter 10. And suddenly it all takes a rather strange turn because there's no people really at all in this. It's all about sheep and about shepherds. It's all a bit random. Uh, And if you have any Bible knowledge whatsoever, even if it's Sunday school Bible knowledge, you will know uh, that the Bible is full of sheep. Okay, Uh, sheep, lambs, they're mentioned over 400 times in the Bible. That's a great fact for you to go away with today. Um, And I always wondered, why is it that sheep are one of God's favored animals? Why are sheep one of God's favored animals? I mean, he could have chosen a rather more impressive animal, couldn't he? Like a lion or an elephant or a giraffe. I like giraffes. Um, You know, sheep aren't really the most intelligent creatures ever. And so why would God choose sheep as his favorite analogy for the people of God? It's rather insulting, isn't it, if you really think about it? Uh, Sheep are rather silly animals. Uh, They just sort of follow each other around, uh, munching grass on a hillside. They sort of mope. Sheep mope, don't they? Uh, They mope around on on hillsides. Uh, They don't really do much. They're defenseless. They're pretty vulnerable. Uh, They're pretty useless, uh, apart from us providers of our Sunday lunch and woolly jumpers. Um, But there's something about sheep. And something about the relationship between sheep and a shepherd that is really quite profound. This relationship between sheep and their shepherd is something that speaks powerfully about the relationship between God and his people. And so maybe it isn't that surprising then that uh, Jesus talks through John chapter 10 all about sheep and shepherds. And we're going to spend uh, some of our time this morning looking at the good shepherd uh, that Jesus talks about. But I want us first to think of a few things to do with sheep, because a few things really strike me about sheep this morning. Firstly, the sheep listen to the shepherd and they know the shepherd's voice. The sheep listen to the shepherd and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Uh, Researchers have uh, recently discovered, I found this out on the BBC Science website, the source of all knowledge, uh, that sheep are actually a bit more intelligent than it was previously thought. Uh, They found out that sheep um, is one of the animals that recognize people's voices more than any other animals. In John chapter 10, verse 5, Jesus describes how the sheep follow the shepherd. They never follow a stranger. In fact, Jesus says they will run away if they don't know the person's voice, the stranger's voice. And part of me wonders uh, why the world of science has only just discovered that sheep recognize uh, people's voices. Because after all, Jesus mentioned it 2,000 years ago in the Bible. Maybe they just need to read the Bible. But anyway, the implication is that sheep must know the shepherd's voice. Sheep must know the shepherd's voice in the first place. If we're to follow Jesus, 
If we are like the sheep in this story, then we need to know Jesus' voice. For the Pharisees that Jesus is speaking to here, they're trying to work out, they're trying to recognize who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Is he really the king that they've been waiting for? Is he the Messiah that they've been longing for? And Jesus is saying here, you will know who I am. You will know that I am the king. You will know that I am the Messiah if the sheep recognize my voice and follow me as their shepherd. You will know if I am the shepherd. You will know if I am the king by the way that the sheep react. And so if we're to follow Jesus as the true shepherd, we need to be tuning into, we need to be listening out for the voice of Jesus over all the other competing voices that bombard our minds and bombard our lives on a daily basis. My children uh, know my voice. I'm sure a lot of the time they wish they didn't know my voice. Um, But they've heard my voice uh, since before they were born. I did that thing that you're told to do in the books where you speak to your child in the womb. And uh, so I used to like have a chat, you know, to them. And they obviously listened to me when they were inside me. I think it was probably the only rule I did follow uh, when I was pregnant. But now I can call their name and they recognize my voice. And sometimes, if they can be bothered, they respond and they come back to me. As sheep of the shepherd, we need to learn to tune in and to recognize Jesus' voice. But I think this is something that so many of us, me included, struggle with, don't we? Tuning into and recognizing, knowing the shepherd's voice. So a few tips that I've just uh, found helpful uh, in my life. Worship. How do we listen to God in worship? I think listening to God in worship is an intentional thing. Uh, We choose to start to listen before we even come to church, before we even come to worship. And that is by coming with an attitude of expectancy. Are we coming to church? Are we coming to worship expecting Jesus to speak to us, expecting to hear his voice. Sometimes Jesus uh, rocks up and surprises us, even when we're not expecting it, even when we're not prepared to hear his voice at all. But I know that when I come to worship, expecting to hear from Jesus, with the attitude of, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, that's often the times where I will meet with God in worship, and I will hear the shepherd's voice. So are we listening in worship? And what about prayer? Do you give time uh, to God for prayer? It's hard, isn't it? There are so many other things that are pulling at our time on every day. There are so many things that are pressing in on us. But in the words of Bill Hybels, we're, we're sometimes too busy not to pray. Actually spend time, carve time out, prioritize time to be in the presence of God, listening. Maybe that's something that we can practice this week. You might want to join a connect group or commit to listening and learning together for each other and with each other. And what about reading the Bible? Do you prioritize that on a daily basis? Or is it something that you perhaps just do when you remember to sort of tick the box? You know, I'm a good Christian, that's what good Christians do. Do we perhaps approach reading the Bible uh, with this question in our mind? Jesus, what do you want to say to me as I read these few verses this morning? 
or this afternoon or this evening. Jesus, what do you want to say to me as I open my Bible? We need to be spending time in the presence of Jesus regularly. And that's how we'll learn to recognize his voice. And we all struggle with it. And if you do, do take the opportunity at the end of the sermon when we, pray, when we worship again to come forward for some prayer. Actually get somebody to stand with you and pray into this with you. So first thing, the sheep listen to the shepherd and they know the shepherd's voice. Secondly, a sheep without a shepherd is a dead sheep. A sheep without a shepherd is a dead sheep. Do you like my picture? Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am great at leading my own life. I'm great at thinking that I know best. And, and you know, look around us. Look at the state that the world is in. Um, there is, the world is full of people blindly wandering around, wandering perhaps towards death. They're sheep without a shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd, Jesus explains, has chosen to go through the broad gate. And that gate is the gate that leads to destruction. Various pieces of research have been done recently around the phenomenon of religious nuns. Uh, nuns are people who uh, would say that they're disillusioned with church, but they still have a belief in God. Uh, they would probably, if they were uh, answering a survey, would describe themselves as nothing in particular. And one piece of research has found that 65% of uh, people in Western Scotland would say they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, they have a desire to follow him, but they see no need uh, to go to church or be involved in any worshipping community. But let's be honest. A lone sheep can survive on its own for quite a while. It can find some grass to munch on. It can find some water uh, to drink. But ultimately, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable uh, to wolves coming to pick off uh, that lone sheep. The lone sheep has no one to guide it, has no one to lead it to green pastures, no one to guide it and to protect it, no flock for it to belong to at all. A lone sheep, a sheep without a shepherd, is a dead sheep. And then the third thing, sheep flock. Sheep flock, don't they? Uh, you don't really find sheep on their own, do you? Uh, maybe that's why the word for sheep is sheep, whether it's singular or plural. Um, and if you do see a sheep on its own, it's probably uh, lost. And in Jesus' parable, what did the shepherd do when he found the lost sheep? He brought it back to the other 99. He brought it, brought it back into the fold, back to the flock, back to the other sheep. Sheep belong in flocks. And it's in a flock that it's looked after and cared for. It's in uh, its flock that it nur it's nurtured and grows. It's in its flock that it's fed and it's protected. So who are your flock? Who are your flock? As Christians, we all need a flock. If you still won't class yourself as a Christian yet and you're journeying and asking questions about Jesus, you still need a flock. We need a flock to belong to. We need a flock to learn in. We need to, a flock to grow in and to feed amongst, to have protection in. Who is your flock? Is it this church or the church you go to regularly? 
If it is, then commit to being part of your church. For us here at P's and G's, uh, we ask people to pray and to serve and to give and to come regularly on a Sunday if they belong to P's and G's. And regularly is usually classed as more than once a month. Families, if church is your flock, then that might mean making some difficult decisions about how you do Sundays as a family or how you find that flock for your children or your young person. How can you prioritize church with all the other demands on your time? What might need to give? How do you prioritize helping your children grow up in a flock? Your flock might be your connect groups. Connect groups aren't just social groups, uh, but they're midweek mini flocks of sheep that gather all over the city, and they wander together, and they seek out food, and they protect each other, and they listen out for the shepherd's voice for and with each other. Maybe your flock is your soul food team, or the worship team you're involved in, or the youth team, or the children's team, or maybe the small group of people you meet up with and pray together with. It doesn't matter, but find your flock. You can't survive as a sheep unless you are in a flock under the shepherd. Find your flock, walk with it, stick to it, commit to it, and prioritize it. But the main thing that the sheep do is that they follow the shepherd. So we're going to spend uh, the rest of our time just thinking about who the shepherd is. The first thing that Jesus describes the shepherd as is the good shepherd. Jesus says, he is the good shepherd. Not good as in, uh, I'll obey all the rules, I'll tick all the boxes, not a moralistic uh, good. But this Greek word that John uses here for good actually means beautiful, it means attractive, it means compelling. And so the good shepherd is compelling and attractive and powerful to follow. The good shepherd. Secondly, the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. In the Middle East at this time, a shepherd would know his sheep. And each morning he'd go to the sheepfold where the sheep had been gathered overnight for protection. There might be like three flocks of sheep in that sheepfold. And the shepherd would stand at the entrance to the sheep pen and would call out his sheep one by one, name by name. Jesus says that the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows each of us by name. My granddad uh, was in the logistics corps of the army during the Second World War. And because he was doing uh, logistics and he drove a truck around, he was everywhere where there was action. He was at Dunkirk, he was at Normandy, and he was also part of the force that liberated uh, Bergen-Belsen uh, concentration camp. And he never, he could never speak about what he saw when he went into that concentration camp for the first time. But there was one uh, person that was part of that initial group uh, of people that went into the concentration camp. And he wrote a diary explaining about the way that he, the people he found there had literally been stripped of their identity and stripped of their humanity. And he writes this. It was not easy to watch a child choking to death from diphtheria when you knew a tracheotomy and nursing would save it. One saw men eating worms as they clutched a half loaf of bread, purely because they'd had to eat worms to live and now could scarcely tell the difference. But he then goes on to write, 
It was shortly after the British Red Cross arrived, though it may have no connection, that a very large quantity of lipstick arrived. This was not at all what we wanted. We were screaming for hundreds and thousands of other things. And I don't know who asked for lipstick. I wish so much that I could discover who did it. It was the action of a genius. Sheer, unadulterated brilliance. I believe nothing did more for these internees than the lipstick. Women lay in bed with no sheets, no nighty, but scarlet red lips. You saw them wandering about with nothing but a blanket over their shoulders, but with scarlet red lips. I saw a woman dead on a post-mortem table, and clutched in her hand was a piece of lipstick. At last, someone had done something to make them individuals again. They were someone, no longer merely a number tattooed on the arm. The lipstick started to give them back their humanity. These people just wanted to be known again, to be seen as human, to be given back their identity, their humanity. And Jesus knew each of them. Jesus is the good shepherd who calls each of us by name and he makes us his own. Have you heard him calling your name? We are not numbers, but we are people who are known intimately and love generously and forgiven lavishly and simply and deeply loved by the good shepherd. Jesus says this in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. What an incredible uh, insight into the quality of relationship we can have with God, the Good Shepherd. We can know him and be known with him, by him in the same way that the Father and the Son are known by each other. We're invited into this relationship with the living God. The Good Shepherd knows his sheep by name. And thirdly, the Good Shepherd leads his sheep. The good shepherd leads and we follow. He guides our lives. And where does he lead us? We read in verse 4 and verse 9, he leads us to good pasture. Uh, not long after we moved our youngest uh, son, Finian, uh, out of his cot into his big bed, uh, I remember being downstairs and hearing that ominous thump as he fell out of bed wearing his little sleeping bag thing. And I waited for that loud cry. He is really loud, if you know Finian. And so it was always a loud cry, uh, but that cry didn't come. And so I dashed upstairs thinking, oh my goodness, what is going on here? Open the door, and there was Finian, a little ball on the floor by the side of the bed, still fast asleep. And so I, I lifted uh, Finian up. He was always a brute, so he probably killed my back while I was doing it. Lifted him up uh, and put him back to bed where he stayed fast asleep. And I remember the next morning we were chatting about what happened, and he obviously couldn't remember it, and I told him what had happened. And I asked him, why do you think you fell out of bed, Finian? And his answer was simple and very Finian-esque. I suppose I just stayed too close to the place where I got in, he says. <laughs> I suppose I just stayed too close to the place where I got in, mummy. I wonder if some of us hear Jesus' voice. We respond, we decide to follow him, but we stay too close to the place where we got in. 
For some of us, that's because maybe we're very comfortable in the safety of the place where we got in to our relationship with Jesus. Our place in the safety of the sheep pen, that place where Jesus first called us to follow him where we feel safe and secure. And we've got to the point where we think, well, this is what it's all about. What following Jesus, what, about, uh, what being a disciple is about. But if that's you, can I suggest that you're missing out? <coughs> You'll never grow as a follower of Jesus by staying in the safety of the sheep pen. We grow as followers of Jesus by following the lead of the good shepherd, And that means coming out of the gate of the sheep pen and walking beside him, walking beside the good shepherd and following him wherever he might lead you. But remember, he is the good shepherd who is beautiful and compelling and attractive and he will only take you to good pastures. It might not be the pastures that we choose, but it'll be good green pastures. He'll take us to streams of living water. And I guess the big question is, are we willing to follow the good shepherd out of the enclosure, maybe to places that we've never been before, maybe places that feel risky and scary? I wonder if some of us are just feeling now that nudge of the Holy Spirit. That is me. That is me, you're thinking. And you're thinking, I could stay where I am because this is safe. But actually, I know that I need to grasp hold of the good shepherd and walk with him wherever he might lead me. That's what life and life in all its fullness, as Jesus says in verse 10, that's what it's all about. And so lastly, how do we know that Jesus is the good shepherd? We know he's the good shepherd because he lays down his life for his sheep and then takes it up again. He lays down for his life for his sheep and then takes it up again. Jesus is talking here about the cross and the resurrection, about his death and resurrection. I heard this week uh, a story about a guy who worked in a 24-7 shop behind the till. And one evening he was in the shop on his own, uh, behind the till, uh, waiting for customers. And a bloke came up to the till and pulled out a gun and uh, held him up and demanded money, cigarettes and alcohol. And immediately, uh, the guy behind the till just started chatting to him in a really friendly manner and explained to him, you know, you can put your gun away, mate. I'll give you whatever you want. You want money? Here, let me open the till. You might want to know that actually the £20 notes are hidden underneath the £10 notes. Help yourself, help yourself. And is there a particular brand of cigarettes uh, that you want? I can get those. In fact, no, I'll just scoop the whole lot into my bag. And the thief went away a happy man. But why did that guy react in that way? Why didn't he just tell the thief uh, that he couldn't give him anything? Why, why didn't he fight back? Simple. Because he was the hired help. He wasn't invested in that business. He couldn't care less, really, at the end of the day, uh, whether uh, losing stock meant that business went out of, um, uh, of business. Because in that moment, it was all about saving his own skin. In verses 11 to 13, Jesus compares the good shepherd with the hired help, the man who is paid uh, just to guard the sheep pen overnight. The hired hand doesn't own the sheep. 
He, d- he isn't the shepherd. He has no relationship with those sheep. He doesn't know them by name. He doesn't love them and care for them. He doesn't, he's just there to protect them for that night. And so when the wolf comes, he couldn't care less. He's more important. He runs off to save his own skin. But in contrast, Jesus says, the good shepherd, well, he is the one that knows the sheep. They belong to him. He loves them. And so he is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is saying, I lay down my life and I take it up again. And when I do that, you will know that everything that I say, that everything I claim to be, that every miracle you have ever heard about or encountered, everything you know about me is real and is true. You will know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. You will know then that I am the Messiah and the King and the ruler over everything. You will know then that I am the one that you've been searching for and waiting for. And you will know that I really love you. You will know that I really know you. You will really know that I am the good shepherd because only the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And this is what Jesus does for us when he goes to the cross and then rises again. He chooses to give his life up but then take it up again. Verses 17 to 18, Jesus Jesus explains, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is what he does. He saves us. He does it not because we are good, but because he is good. We'll never be enough, but his grace and his love are sufficient. As Romans 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Jesus is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. Let's pray.